This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebound and Safety. Back to our normally scheduled content this week, uh, outside of the miniseries. And we're talking to an amazing person, a lady that I love, and that many people out there do love. Let's jump into the intro and I'll tell you some more about it. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviors. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risplur. What's up people, welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is the YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on tier. We're here to change the perception of health and safety. So if you're new here, hit that subscribe button and the bell and all those magical algorithm things on whatever platform you are listening slash watching us on. Today we are talking to the amazing, the legendary Anna Keane. Anna Keane is absolutely awesome. I'm not going to try and introduce her. She'll do a much better job, but had an amazing kind of emergent conversation. One of my favorite types of conversations where we didn't really plan what we were going to talk about. We just said, hey, let's jump on it. Let's press record and see what happens. So we do talk about stationary, probably a little bit too much um, but I'm a little bit of a I kind of love that shit um, so yeah we have a good chat about stationery so if you're really keen on understanding how we kind of manage our days then this will probably help you and then we get into loads of stuff so I hope you enjoy this conversation but before we get into it just a quick message from our sponsor Paradigm HP and more specifically the HSE subscription service. Paradigm HP's HSE subscription service is the perfect solution for those small, medium-sized enterprises that are absolutely rammed and sometimes safety might fall by the wayside. Not because you don't care or anything like that, just because that's life. And you think, oh, maybe we could do better at that. And you want to go and tick all the boxes for your regulatory and industry compliance. But at the same time, you don't just want to have an off-the-shelf system. This is a solution for you. Paradigm Human Performance are exactly that. They are human performance experts. They're human organizational performance specialists. So this is not your bog-standard off-the-shelf system that you're going to have to kind of declutter in a few years. This is nailed down, hop woven throughout it. This is the perfect solution for those organizations that want to make worker safety part of your DNA. The ones that want to be able to utilize that worker subject matter expertise of the front line. So if you're interested, then you can ring Paradigm or email Paradigm in the phone number and email address in the description below. Or you can go to their brand new website and check everything out there. And you can also get yourself signed up to the Learning Organization webinar, which is an outstanding resource when every Thursday at 2 p.m. And once you've signed up as well, you can get access to all of the backlog of webinars that they've had as well. So an outstanding learning resource. Go check that out as well. Okay, just a quick note as well from my company, Project Miletium. Project Miletium is the mastermind community for those that manage risk and safety within their role. Whether you do that as your sole career or whether you do that as part of an operational role, risk management, health and safety professionals, this is the right place for you. We have weekly calls where we literally talk about our problems, our challenges, and we help each other out. Or we get deep into something that's been going on uh, on LinkedIn that week or talking all about Brewdog and what is trust and all this stuff. So if you want a community where you can solve your own problems, this is the place for you. 
you can message me and I'll get you on one of our community calls free of charge. They run weekly. We also run a philosophy call once a month and a book club once a month and a quarterly digital event as well. So go check it out www.projectmeletium.com or like I say, message me or Colin Nottage and we'll get you on a call completely free of charge. You can try it before you buy it. Without further ado, let's get into my chat with Anna King. Hello, Anna. Hi. How welcome are you? To the, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I'm good, thank you very much. I'm very good. Um, for, for those people that have lived in a uh, cave for the last few years that might not, crazy for crazy reasons, might not even know who Anna Keen is, would you want to give us a very quick introduction and we'll get into our chat? Okay. Um, so I, I founded about five years ago now. Actually, it's five years in like a couple of weeks. Five years ago, a company called Acre Frameworks, and we focus on developing non-technical skills in the safety profession. So my big belief is that the years this profession is focused on developing um, or changing the behaviours of other people in order to create safety, we challenge safety professionals to look at their own behaviours and the impacts that they are having on, on I suppose, the purpose of getting people home safe. Mm. So when are their behaviours enabling that and when are they maybe preventing it? So, uh, yeah, and I, I recruited for about 14 years before I set frameworks up. Um, always in health and safety in London and over in Sydney for a while. And I suppose I just became really frustrated, bored with interviewing yeah. health and safety professionals that had all the technical stuff. And then when we talked about, you know, standard competency question, give me an understanding of when you've influenced someone. They're like, well, I tell them they need to do it else they'll go to jail. Mm -hmm. So there was just, there was just some work to be done there with this, this group yeah, of people. Yeah. Um, and quite honestly, no one else was talking about it. So I decided to take a bit of a leap of faith and set frameworks up then partnered with acre who are a recruitment company so i still get to keep my hand very much in identifying like talent and, and making sure our clients get the right people but more so i'm passionate about making sure safety professionals have the the skills to make impact that's mm. it really and you're in america as well aren't you, on your, on your website. yeah we've got offices in new york um and in amsterdam now nice but currently we're like, Oh, global work at the moment. We're in about 30 countries. Oh, wow. So we're working. We, we did a session this week where we have someone from Sydney, China, Canada, America, South Africa, and um, Europe, all on the same call. Nice. I mean, some of them were up in the middle of the night, but yeah, that, you know, that, that to me is, I suppose it's a, an outcome of where we are from post COVID, but actually with technology these days, you, you know, it's yeah, not anywhere. proximity. So yeah, it's exciting, really exciting, really, really exciting the work we're doing at the moment. Where's your UK office? Is that in London? London? Yeah, yeah, Hobart. So, so you've got offices in probably the three coolest places in the world: London, New York, I mean, and Amsterdam. It might be, you know, <laughs> it might be luck, or it might just be. <laughs> we really like this place, so yeah, I think we have ambitions to grow further than that. We've got a couple of other cool cities lined up for uh, for next, but to be fair. With everything that's happening the another big part of acre is we do a lot in what we we focus on purpose-led professions so um anything from like responsible investment cr sustainability those markets are booming at the moment um yeah, yeah. and in places like america with biden coming in there's just that that reinvigoration of those markets just means yeah it's going from strength to strength um cool. 
pre 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 covid did you go out there much or were you much more engaged? um i haven't been to either of the offices because i was pregnant all the time <laughs> <laughs> since we opened them i uh, was mainly pregnant but um i was lucky enough actually to travel for a bit like a few years before before covid struck doing like we worked with the likes of amazon so i've been out to seattle did some conferences over in europe yeah. um yeah do some work over in the hague and things like that so mm. yeah it's I enjoy that part of it, mainly to get away from the kids, but also <laughs> to, to sit, um, to actually spend, I do what I do because I love, I find people fascinating. So yeah. actually being in a company, understanding the culture, understanding the, you know, the environment in which they work just yeah, helps us cool. better. So although virtual is giving us um, access and making things that we do really available to people in, in all locations, I still I still miss sitting down with a with a client and you know having a coffee and a good chat and, and building yeah. that relationship. Yeah, I, I'm I can relate to that. I'm so desperate to like go out to some of my members like <clears throat> properties and, and and factories and stuff and just get stuck into some real work. Like yeah. just go there and be like, right, what's your problem? I love nothing better than sitting around a table with a challenge and like really oh just yeah. Post-its all over the wall. Oh, give me chart. a whiteboard and a flip chart and I'm the happiest person. Yeah. I'm Mate. really visual, so they they take um they joke about it internally at ACA, but I have mind maps for everything. I don't write in linear fashion. My head is and when I show them sometimes they're like, is that everything in your head? And I'm like, yeah. Terrifyingly, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're like we're like kindred spirits, I'm telling you. <laughs> Literally. I call them brain farts. I have like two books. Oh, yeah. I live, I live out of my, I'm very, I'm very modern. I live out of a file of facts. Color oh, I love facts. Oh, yes. Man after my own heart. <laughs> oh, and like, that's got all of my notes in, you know, rebranding safety, the, the, the day job, like get wife, day present, <laughs> everything in there. And then I've got, <laughs> and then I've got like an A4 uh, book, which is like my project kind of book, which has all of my brain farts in. So yeah. I'll be writing note and I've got these two things I do. I've got a, a morning dump. So every morning and not in the traditional sense of a morning dump, right? Bear yeah. with me. Don't worry. I'm not going to talk about toilet humor. I've got the morning dump, which basically is every morning. I put the date on there and then I'll just put morning dump. And I just look up my diary, write down what I'm going to do for the day, like plan the day out and stuff like But getting it out onto paper yeah. for me is so powerful. And then sometimes I'll have morning dump and then underneath I'll be like, I don't know, work on blah, blah, see brain fart. 25th of January 2021 so if somebody looked into my into my notebook they would see morning dump see brain fart <laughs> whatever works for you James yeah, <laughs> but the huge the humor of it really works because every morning I just I find it enjoyable because I write it and I'm like hey, not sure, no, yeah. Yeah, I love to do this it drives my husband mad but I yeah I write things on that I've done so I can cross them out love a highlighter yeah. The happiest place I ever worked was when I was in Sydney. We had glass walls in the office. So it's like, and we all got these chalk pens. So we all wrote, when we took a job on, we put all our candidate. Oh, just the art of writing on walls just made me feel really happy. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone's like, oh, you know, we get, we got to get COVID screens. I'm looking at all these COVID screens and I'm like, that is cool, man. It's like having a whiteboard right in front of you. Chalk pens are the future. Yeah. 
did we get onto this? <laughs> no idea. And, and welcome to Rebranding Productivity, the podcast about productivity and... <laughs> stationery. Love stationery. I love stationery. I could honestly just geek out about all of this stuff. Like I literally, my guilty pleasure is watching productivity YouTube channels. Like people that are like, today I'm going to show you my, my productivity desk setup. And I'm just like, yeah, like, this is how I journal. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, moving swiftly on. Amazing. That is a great place to start. <laughs> we go, we get, we we will go anywhere in, in rebranding safety. And that's why when people are like, oh, I send them the, the little content plans that we do and stuff like that. And I send it over to people. I'm like, trust me, don't rely on this content plan because it uh, could go anywhere. You know what? I enjoy that though, because that means limited preparation. Let's yes. just talk about what we're passionate about. Yeah. Um, and it also means that you can get stuck in some really interesting conversations like, like stationery. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. The problem is everyone listening, like, is going. Can you please stop talking about stationery? Like, this is not a stationery podcast. Yeah, what are we talking about? I think what, some people out there that are going, yes, amen. I absolutely understand what you guys are talking. Yeah, about. yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, there's somebody right now listening to this that just goes, "I've never thought about getting a file of facts, but that is a great <laughs> idea." Or a chalk pen. Or a chalk pen. A glass, glass walls and everything. Honestly, I'm going to do a video soon on like how I, how I kind of keep track of everything. Cause I had so many questions. Like how, how do you, how do you kind of keep track? And I'm like, literally file of facts. It's always my answer. Like, so I've tried everything. I've tried different notebooks for each, each kind of thing. So I, people I, with their technology with their pads and like pens. I've tried that. I've tried, I've tried doing everything on my phone. I've tried doing everything on a tablet. I've tried tablet and phone, tablet, phone, and laptop. I've tried every combination you could ever think of. And I always come back to absolutely my entire life is in a file of facts. For oh, me, that's my favorite thing, red pen. Oh. A real fan of a two, Park, two different kind of virus. <laughs> Parker park Jotter, me. Parker Jotter. It's always, you know, the amount of money I spend on Parker Jotters because I lose them. I, I could be rich. I would pick you for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Oh, if somebody sent me a Parker Jotter for Christmas, I'll be like, best Christmas present ever. So I have a Parker Jotter. I have a... Get them branded. I'll send you a Parker Jotter. Definitely. Always got a highlighter on me. And and then I have this other cool-ass pen, which is really a complete waste of money because it's basically a pencil. But it's a pen that you can rub out, which, yes, is a pencil. Yes. Yes, I could, <laughs> but, I, but I saw it on Amazon and I was like, that is cool. And it's made yes, by Filofax. It was extortionately overpriced. And I mean, you're just ticking all the boxes for me. Like, <laughs> that's it. And I brought it and my wife was like, why have you just spent like 15 pounds on a pencil? And I was like, no, 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 it's not a pencil. It's a pen that rubs out, which is a pencil, James. Anyway, we're still talking about stationery. What's going on? Thing is, I'm I'm really conflicted now because I really want to talk about stationery, like for the rest of the hour. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I can't. I can't do it. Right. Yeah. So we've already said you you you've already kind of you, you, 
let, let's kind of focus actually a little bit. I'd like to focus on that point that you mentioned when you like you were recruiting people and, you know, they're all very, I can relate to what you said, like in that interviews where you're getting, you know, how do you influence people? Well, I either tell them a really scary story or I tell them they could be in jail. And then when you get to a point where they go, well, that's never happened in the 50 years I've been working and you're like, oh shit, I'm out of arguments now. What do I do? Like, and that genuinely, that, that I think every safety professional goes through, maybe not so much new safety professionals coming in. Cause I feel like there's a lot more, maybe there's a lot more conversations around psychology and influencing and stuff. But when I joined about nine years ago, when I joined the profession, there was no conversations about that whatsoever. No, so I, this year's my 20th year in health and safety, which is terrifying. <laughs> no way. So I started. Did when you I start was... at the age of two or yeah. something then, Anna? <laughs> I started at, thank you, James. That's very kind of you. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I started at 18 working for a health and safety consultancy. It was my first job. Oh, wow. Um, so I used to put to work um, health and safety consultants, and it was go out, inspect, and then come back with a list of failures. Like that was literally their job was go out and, you know, find everything that was wrong. That's what clients paid us to do. And that was, that was my introduction to health and safety. And definitely the first few years of recruiting, it was find someone with an e-bosh that can shout loudly, can tell other people what they're like, doing wrong. That was literally it. It was dream job. Knee, you do a search, Nebosh. What am I kidding? It wasn't on the computer. It was like in a pile of CDs. <laughs> find the Nebosh, and then you'd, you'd fax it over to the client um and it was, that was it was easy it was really easy and then clients start I worked a lot in construction start pushing back and saying actually Anna we need someone that can like work with the site team to keep site going rather than just stopping site working all the time okay so we started looking for that and that was a bit harder to find you know someone that could maybe communicate maybe engage <laughs> maybe be part of the team and then especially when I got to Australia it was okay we need someone that can develop a strategy get other people to feel excited about that strategy can innovate and I was like what the safety profession innovate innovate don't blaspheme this like handbrake this um policeman this officer like and they weren't talking about that they were talking about enabling coaching Mm. um and I suppose it made me really reflect on what I'd seen in the UK and and that kind of traditional mindset and how that was that was holding a lot of professionals back. They were thinking, you know, once I've acquired my, let's take Nebosh, my, you know, diploma, and I've got my chartered membership, apart from completing some CPD, actually, I'm done. I know everything. Yeah, I've got all the answers. Um, and there was a real lack of self-awareness and curiosity about this, this skill set that actually, I believe is critical. If you, if this profession genuinely has a purpose of getting people home safe, and healthier then then I do think the behaviors are limiting that you know I know I sat through inductions that were mind-numbingly boring like you know you're like Whoa, if this is safety then I am checking out yeah. <laughs> but if that's someone's interaction with safety then why why are they going to engage why are they going to bring them to the table when they're making a really important decision mm. so that's where I just felt like actually the profession had no tools no support to to really reflect around these skills that were so important and then to actually make some change like it was all 
development reviews. What do you want to develop this year? I want to do some work at heights and some confined spaces. And but actually, that wasn't the stuff that was stopping them getting people home safe. It was their just their lack of understanding of psychology and how to engage or giving themselves time to be curious and ask questions or innovate. So yeah, it's there's still so much work to be done. Still so much work to be done on that. Yeah, it's improving. Like, I, I genuinely, I feel really like infused over the last 18 months, two years, the momentum that people like you are driving, some of the, the young leaders forums are actually, you know, this is the way that you guys do safety, you know, <laughs> you enable it, you create it rather than you go and complete the tasks kind of thing. There has been, to be fair, I, I've kind of said the same the last 18 years, 18 years, the last 18 months to two years, it's just been a like a really swift shift like which is yeah. strange you know and i'm kind of i'm, I'm just going to put this out there rebranding safety started about two years ago so i mean i'm just saying i'm just saying interestingly <laughs> when i launched frameworks our tagline i think i shared this with you when we first spoke our tagline was rebranding safety one individual at a time yeah I remember what i was really you. focused on was like if we can change if we can support people to develop differently then they put a different brand of safety into a work environment, which changes people's perspective. And then we rebrand it. So it was like, so yeah. Thank God you didn't copyright it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I remember going onto the streets of London and asking people what they thought of health and safety. It's hilarious. What? And I got quite a lot of challenge at that point that I picked like select group of people. And I was like, no, no, there was nothing positive. I, mm. I didn't get one positive remark all day. Got a lot of angry people that needed to vent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, um, it was a select group of people, not safety professionals. It was yeah, normal yeah. people. Just normal people doing their job. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. I, I said, I think I, I yeah, I think I, I said it in my 21, 2021 predictions video that we put out like this week um, when we are recording this. And, and, and I think I said in there, you know, there's, there seems to have been a real shift in how like, or maybe not a shift because it was there before, like all of this work has been existing for such a long time, like you know, human factors, all that stuff's been around since like the fifties, something crazy like that. Um, you know, when you look back at some of the research from like in, in the safety science space, you know, some of it's years old and you're just like, well, how come we haven't seen it before? And But in the last two years-ish, there's just been a mad increase in people talking about this. And I'm not blowing my own trumpet because it's not just me, but I genuinely do think podcasts had a big part to play in that because you saw, when I started, there was a handful in the Safety FM kind of audience. So you had Safety FM, you had Todd Conklin's podcast, which obviously is one of the, the most established. Um, and then there was Safety on Tap and then there was another one I can't remember. Um, and there was probably a few more, but they were the big ones that people knew about. In England, you had one that was going about a few months just before me, the Safety Spoke with an Eye podcast. And then you yeah. had um, Sonny Gopal, which is kind of like, I call him the original gangster. Um, of, of You know, he was doing this for, for years before all of us, but that was it. And then like I started, and then I think at the same time as me, um, I think Sam Goodman, the hot nerd, started. And then Colin started in England. And then literally, it's kind of snowballed from there. Safety FM has kind of grown massively. I think 
at the same time, there seems to have been a massive increase in the in the kind of new way of thinking of safety seems to have gone a bit nuts as well. Um, and then maybe, I don't know what you think about this, Anna, but maybe LinkedIn changed as well. LinkedIn became, over the last couple of years, not just about a place where you put your CV. It became yeah. a place for us all to engage and share ideas. That seems to have picked up in the last two years. And I think that is probably the main driver of, of this, this massive change that we're seeing. And it's about taking what were, I remember coming back from Australia, setting up frameworks and we did some work with, um, over in Australia, I'd done work with John Green and people like that on Safety yeah. Different. And we set up events with John over here just to start talking about it. And it was still, people were really challenged by it. Ooh. quite still vision I think but it, you know the whole profession was a bit crazy yeah. um but actually what it did and what a lot of these things do is they make if you're curious they give you things to access mm. um and not I will bang on about curiosity until I'm blue in the face I think that's what this profession needs to be and actually people like you give people an easy place to start you know they don't have to go and buy a book or read a book they just have to plug headset in and listen and hear yeah. different ideas and then they can be challenged about it. they can form opinions but actually um i i think they're not just being knowledge from your nibosh or your iosh and actually hearing views that are much broader and actually um, come from different viewpoints and i think that curiosity is actually allowing people to um to access different things so yeah. I worry though that we're still in a bubble. Yeah, I talk about this quite often before the COVID bubble that we're in like this this bubble of people that think that way. But actually, yeah. I know when I coach people and I start talking about innovation and micro experimentation and um, are having good questions rather than having good answers, I I get a load of well, you know, if, if I don't have the if someone asks me if it's safe and I don't have the answer, how am I credible? Mm. Like that's the that's their saboteur that's the thing that holds them back from trying something different mm. so that's why I'm so passionate about the work we do is because actually there is a there is a curious progressive part to this profession but then there's a huge community that actually just need they just need some support mm. you know they just need a, a to be challenged to do some exploration on how they how they feel um and actually you know be given some guidance that actually allows them to you know, an introduction to something like what you do is a really great starting point. I recommend your podcast to people all the time, especially people at the oh. beginning of their careers. Oh, thanks. You know, we talk about innovation and we it's all right, anytime. But actually, I'm like, if, you know, we talk about um, conceptual thinking and looking for different views and, and challenging different views. You don't have to agree with what everyone says, but actually go and do that. So mm. go and be curious and listen to what people like you are talking to, what your guests are saying. and and listen and ask questions and engage in the conversation but then form a view off the back of it you don't have to accept everything you hear yeah. but actually you know be curious in the first place yeah, yeah definitely yeah i um i think we we tried to i think there was a word you said there which which kind of struck a chord with me where you said like it's kind of like accessibility to a lot of this stuff has changed or it's easier um and i think that so, some sometimes we get tagged as a 
as a safety two podcast, which which irks me quite a bit, if I'm honest. Like, yes, my my view on safety is probably more aligned with that community or approach or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it is. Um, but I I kind of I try rock quite hard on on this channel to try and put across as many different views as possible. Now it's hard yeah. because when when you're badged with a certain view of safety, some of the people that are the other view don't feel safe coming on and talking about it. But like, it's important to me. I think that like whenever people message me and say like, James, what what should I do? I you know do I want to be safety two? And, and I'm just like, well, don't just limit yourself to one. Like, don't just pick safety right. two. Like. Like just have a listen to like Dom Cooper, who's like so behavioral-based safety, like 100%. He's got some good stuff to talk about. He's got experience. He's got knowledge. And then go and listen to Eric Honagel as well. And then be like, right, oh, I love what Eric said here. So I'm going to take this bit. Like I always say in my very crude fashion, you're at a buffet. Don't just eat the sausage rolls. Eat all of it. Yeah. And just go and like, and that's, that's why actually one of the drivers for me bringing the safety two conversation to the UK wasn't because it was like, I believe that this is the way forward. I don't know enough. Yeah. I just like the fact someone was saying something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and actually we just didn't have, we just had one way of doing safety mm. or slight nuances, but you know, all of the same where actually it was like, let's, let's look at what psychology's take telling us. Let's look at new, let's look at hop. I don't, and absolutely love the buffet analogy, but, you know, pick the best bits from each, pick the bits that really resonate. Yeah. I also know people that have been doing um, like New View Safety 2 for years and never called it that because actually exactly that's just their natural style. Right? So exactly. I don't think we need to let you know. I just think we need to, I just think we need to be open to exploring, is there a different way? Yeah. yeah definitely four or five years ago i think the way that you heard about new things in safety was you went to quite like some sort of conference yeah and those things were big money i remember the irish conference was like a thousand pound or something like ridiculous money what? to go to wow yeah that might have just been to me but you know <laughs> <laughs> but i think you know it was these one day or the the expo was free but Actually, back then, they didn't have a lot of, like, speaker content. It was more just stands. And actually, I think that people had a really limited um, access to different ideas was really limited. So you might yeah. read, buy some books and read some books, but actually, like, to listen to other people talk, to hear different ideas, to have your thoughts challenged, mm. unless you were really at that senior end where you were invited to conferences and events, like actually yeah. the majority of people there was your IOSH um like local network or your big IOSH conference but actually I don't think there was huge amounts outside of that mm. which is I think where things are changing now I think recruitment companies have definitely up their games in terms of like, in terms of events um and like giving people access I know we do inspire um, which is like our future leaders program I know the safety for good and some things like that I think, you know, there's people like you going out independently and talking. There's, there's Paul Clark and his series of events, which are free to mm. attend. I think there's there's just more out there, which means actually, if you are curious, you've just got more places to start, which is great. Yeah. It's absolutely where what we need to be doing. Yeah, definitely. Do you think diversity is a part of it as well? Like it's becoming a bit more diverse. It, it's got a long way to go, a long way to go. 
yeah. like a long way to go <laughs> just I'm to reiterate usually, i'm usually passionate about diversity but diversity of thought and i yeah. think building a diverse team you get a diversity of thought we have a huge yeah. issue around diversity in this profession yeah. i think the gender thing is moving um i think you know different backgrounds um different ethnicity different beliefs um mm. and actually for me diversity of thought was probably the first thing with things like bringing in challenging views of safety was actually just trying to create different diversity of thought mm. um but we you have to i think as a profession what we have to be able to do is you can't just create you know okay we want to have a more diverse pool of talent actually have to create an environment where that talent can be heard where people listen um there's a great line i think um jonathan gawthorpe mcor first told me it, it was you can buy diversity you have to build inclusion and that's nice. me it's like yeah because actually you know when you're recruiting you can go out and you can pick people from multiple backgrounds you can look at um oh i want you know more women in my team or more people from diverse ethnic backgrounds but actually, unless you create an environment of psychological safety where people can challenge, can present their views differently, then effectively, well, you, you know, those people will get rejected like an, an organ. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like when I see, I, I coach a lot of senior women um, and I see when they are the first woman on a board, actually, you know, how they really establish themselves and how they, they make sure they're heard and then, you know, not just... Um, a token actually yeah. how they actually that's a lot to do about the the men in the room and actually how much they're willing to listen um to really be, have their thoughts and feelings challenged it comes back to me to vulnerability but no I think diversity in this profession is absolutely still like a really critical agenda mm. uh, I love most of my clients are female mm. um which I don't know if that's by nature that they're more curious in behavior they're more focused on development i don't know i don't know i don't want to make we're, assumptions, we're scared but, of you anna um, we, we had a meeting all of us men <laughs> like no she scares us <laughs> um, actually you know i i did some work a couple of years ago and we looked at, at data sets of of so psychometric data of women and men and actually things like you know i can only speak anecdotally now because i don't have the data but the what we look at around caring and um, interest in other people's motivations and behaviours, consultation, we found in, you know, I'm not saying we didn't find them in the men we were working with, but we definitely found them present in the women. Yeah. So I think just having that, that different viewpoint is women are maybe more likely to get vulnerable. You know, yeah. I don't know. Like, it definitely, takes I, some, it definitely takes some work, but. I think there's, there's a, there's a very big, societal issue with men and that i i speaking speaking as a man <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> i'm not speaking for all men just as as a man myself i think that it's and i'm not speaking for women but yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's it we're raised um in, in all aspects to of a certain there's a certain image of a man you know hard not vulnerable you know we, we, we're raised to not be vulnerable i remember at, the, at such a young age yeah I, I remember at such a young age my dad left when i was really young um and i was regularly referred to as the man of the house 
when I was like a baby. Now it's just a figure of speech, but what, like now that I've grown up and I've started to understand psychology a little bit and how much these little words and things can in a child, you know, a young boy's head can start to grow and become something else. Man, that's definitely had an impact on how I've seen myself for many years. You know, the man's the one to kind of protect the household and stuff like that. I think what is important, I think anyway, that when we're having this conversation, which I agree with what you're saying, women are inherently more, um, they're quicker to to get that stuff. I don't think it's, well, and again, I have no evidence to back this up, no science to back this up. I'm literally speaking from my own assumptions and experience that, you know, we, we are kind of, well, we're, we're a product of our own environment, aren't we? And that's the environment around men is we're a certain way. We're hard. We're not vulnerable. We're strong, you know, and you know, that, that kind of contributing to this mental health crisis we're going through as well. And you watch the news or you watch any film, there's an assumption that the bad guy is a guy, bad guy. Every single time you look at the the copper being like, we're going to get this guy. And it's not a guy, it's a woman, but we make an assumption. It's always a guy because yet statistically it is always men. I get that. I get that 100%. But you know, is there, is there like a little bit of like, I don't know, cognitive influence that happens all the time when we do little things like that? I I, I don't know. Like having coached women and men in this profession, I think when it comes to things like, you know, all the, all the aspirational comments we make about health and safety, like uh, we want operations to own health and safety. We want you to ask good questions, not have good answers. And then when I actually coach men about that, and when we we do quite a lot of digging um, into like patterns of negative self-talk, the stories we tell ourselves saboteurs, because I suppose the difference between the work we do in most learning and development companies is we don't just go to, here's some courses, we actually understand what stops you from developing, what stops you being curious, what stops you being courageous. Yeah. Um, and, and when we get into this with men, often it is, you know, I'm the provider in the house. So if I suddenly can't be credible at work and have the answers when my boss comes to me, or if, if business actually owns operations, I don't have a job. I have a mortgage to pay. I have a family to feed. Yeah. Like it's, it's, a, and I will be challenged day in, day out, but that is, that is the, challenge that this profession is facing is when we say you know we want you to go micro experiment and innovate and they're working in an environment where they're expected to order the ppe and make sure the skips are emptied and i'm like but and if i if i well what was it if i don't do that i won't get paid they won't think i'm doing my job because that's what operations are for and i think that's definitely for men is actually taking a step back appreciating you know what their role is within that organization how do they show credibility in a different way i definitely think um there's a unique set of challenges for men and for women in that but i definitely see that when i coach men mm. that that not having the answer that not knowing yeah. it brings up vulnerability and we have been conditioned men and women conditioned over years that vulnerability is weakness yeah. I, that's why I recommend Brené Brown's work to literally everyone I speak to because what she talks about around shame and vulnerability and the power of that is is game changing. Right? Yeah, Brené Brown, right? She, I'm sure she's been around for a very long time, and but this week, every single day somebody has mentioned her name. Really, every okay. single day, and twice today. Team. You're the second today. Really, Kendall yeah. in my team. Um, introduced me to Brené Brown probably 
two and a half, three years ago, maybe because they're both Texan, I don't know. But <laughs> if I could, um, if Kendall had one dream, it would be to meet Brené Brown. Um, but she introduced us all as a team to it and the, the whole concept of Dare to Lead. And um, we do modules on the, the Braving Trust um, elements. And to me, there was just actually, it was, it really struck a chord with this whole profession and what we're trying to get them to do and the places we have to take professionals in order for them to acquire different skills, because mm. we are asking them, you know, the, the rules, the system, um, the qualifications they've acquired all give them comfort and credibility. Mm. It's like, I know the answers, you know, I can regurgitate the law. That was the amount of interviews I've done where they've come in with, with folders of qualifications and, you know, I want to show you everything I've achieved, but actually, um, take that away, which is actually what many of our clients are now saying is, you know, the system isn't necessarily correct. You know, planned versus actual is different, you know, and then we're asking them to get vulnerable. So when, even when it's someone rings them and says, can we do this? And even though they want to go, no, we challenge people to ask questions, mm -hmm. you know, that, that takes people to a place they don't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And we have to, we have to appreciate that that puts stress on people and we, they need support to become vulnerable. So yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Renee's a God. <laughs> I think God she puts it into actually, um, she puts it into really relatable language. Mm. It's a really good storyteller. And I've, I love people that can tell stories because I'm not very theoretical. Um, I, I love applications. So I love understanding how that plays out in the real world. Yeah. And I think the power of, yeah, something like what Brené does is actually to, to put it into language you understand. I'm telling you now, we're kindred spirits, spirits Anna, 100%. <laughs> I'm exactly the same. I really struggle with research papers, but give me a good storyteller. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there and listening to you all day. I've just read a book um, that uh, Adam Johns, the legend, uh, I just start calling him Adam the legend Johns, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no. uh, he, he he sent me this way to this book to uh, Our Iceberg is Melting by John Cotter. I have heard of it, but I've not read it. Okay. It's, it's a fable, basically. It's about penguins and, and how it's change management. It's teaching people about change management, but it's a fable about penguins and their iceberg is melting. So yeah. what they're going to do, how the leader gets the message out, tells everyone we need to change yeah. and then how they manage that change. And I probably read that like like that like it was just such yeah. a good book it was there was little funny bits in it it was a story um but then at the end of the book he he ties in all his like john cotter's got eight steps of change uh, change management like that his eight key points they're all throughout the book and they're highlighted yeah. as you read through the fable but then at the end he explains them in a in a kind of more academic way but you've yeah. got the story and I'm just like oh, and that's that's also why I think Matthew Syed does so well yeah. because he's such a good storyteller um and, and, and like his book Rebel Ideas I bang on about it all the time everyone talks about black box thinking I think the book we need to we need to be talking about is Rebel Ideas and and just how he tells stories in that is so powerful like people I think people overlook it like if he's talking about interviewing someone, he doesn't just say, when I interviewed Anna, for example, he'll be like, I interviewed Anna on a wet, cold day. Uh, yes, and I'm driving make, to, yeah. yeah. So you feel like you're a fly on the wall. Yeah. I think that's what podcasts do really well as well. Like if you listen to like 
um joe rogan's podcast you feel like a fly on the wall you feel like you just you know because he he leaves the, the mic knocks in and he leaves the, all that stuff so you feel like you're flying the wall that's what yeah. storytelling does and i think that puts the message in your brain so much better in my opinion uh, i did a thing on storytelling recently and i don't i love telling stories but they're usually other people's stories that i'm telling so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i spend all day every day um talking to people in this profession whether it's coaching them or just having a you know Good old, oh, yeah, ran. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, that's what I love is acquiring other people's stories and then telling them uh, because to me, that's how I that's how I learn. That's how I get a message. And this is the whole diversity of thought. I work in a very small team in frameworks, but we are all very different. So Kendall is an academic. Um, her favorite term is evidence based. Um, but I need someone like that because she gives me stuff and then I go, OK, that's great. But like make it come to life for me make me I want to feel it I want to go through yeah. the motion I want to give it a go um and I think that's that opportunity to experiment with some of this stuff is exciting yeah that's where so exciting stuff. yeah yeah I mean I that's what I do I love and I I really start a lot of books and I take one thing away so you know some of my favorite books um this book called the alliance that's how like two-way contracting so it changes the way you look at um like your employee relationships so you don't bring people on for life anymore you're writing these now um the culture map that was a brilliant recommendation for, to, from Ruth Denyer who's now Netflix she recommended that to me last year that's a brilliant one about and it just gives you stories about how different cultures interact but I'm a real applier so when I read something I want to give it a go <laughs> yeah. I've just read No Rules Rules by Netflix and everyone Naker is yeah. like God, she's off on one. I'm like informed captains, context not control. <laughs> We're tearing up the expense policy and they're like, oh God, she's off on one. But that's what it makes me want to do. I yeah. love hearing other people's stories then going, oh, what can I do with that? Let me have a go. Um, mm. That's where I'm like, that's yeah. when I get flow. That state of flow is when I'm like, oh, let's just do something different. Yeah. I, I tell you now, we are exactly the same. I'm like, I... <laughs> I have not shut up about Rebel. If a book hits me, if a book really hits me, I'm yeah. I'm I'm talking about it all the time. Like I've just I just finished Simon Sinek's Start with Why, which we we spoke about. I, I didn't think the book was great. I'm going to do a book review on it, but I, I love like, his I message. Like I'm a real fan yeah. of video. Yeah, tell yeah. me the story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and he does have some really good stories. I just don't think they came very through very well on the book. But that but that aside, his message, like that's literally all I'm saying all the time. Like. I'm talking about a certain company a lot lately um, that's very prominent in the safety professional uh, in, in profession, and I and I say all the time, I think they've lost their why. I do. I wrote and, an article about it four years ago. I think this profession's lost its why. Yes. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. One of the best books I've read, um, and you've got a young daughter, haven't you? So oh, baby girl, get, yeah. it on, get it on your reading list. The line inside is genuinely one of my favorite books it's by a, girl, a lady called rachel bright she's also written the the squirrels that squabbled the warriosaurus you know the lion the, inside yeah the lion inside oh the lion as in the, the animal lion. Rah, yeah raw 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 very posh line um it's the story about a mouse that wants to that feels like they haven't got a voice so they go to a lion to ask and there's a line in it and i can't remember it off the top of my head but it's, it's something around, if you want to change the world, you have to first change you. And the message yes. in that 
just to me every time I read it to my son so I'm just like yeah yeah <laughs> I, 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 to <laughs> I, I say something similar all the time and I stole it from someone but I can't I wish I knew so that I could credit them because it is my favorite saying be the change you want to see yeah. like, right just so be it this book is absolutely that so it's a story of a mouse that wants to learn how to roar and it's terrifying and it's scary, but this mouse recognises if I want to change the world, I have to start with me. And that to me is like, if I could give gift that to every safety professional, <laughs> like, if I want to get people home safe at the end of every day, I have to start with me. Like, that to me is like core message. Prime reading should be handed to every safety professional when they enter. So let's um let's kind of focus on that. So let's say oh, okay, that's a fair point, Anna. I want to focus on myself. You've mentioned curiosity, courage, and creativity a lot. That's yeah. your they're your values, Acre. Like th- th- those kind of words could probably I don't, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but like you could probably call them the soft skills, like or power skills or whatever uh, yeah. we want to call uh, them. Uh, power skills, soft power skills. skills. Shout out to hey. Shout out to Hayley Wright. She was the first one to tell me about that. Great, great, like, word, phrase, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you call these, these these power skills, vital skills, whatever you want to call them, but the softer skills, the, non, the non-technical the non skills. Yeah. yeah. How, like, I, how does one get them? Like, because I think we are so ingrained to what you said earlier of getting doing a course getting a certificate like there are starting we're starting to see increased courses online or whatever around these like and then some people just say like i had a debate with someone on on linkedin the other day and he was like you get your knee boss you get your technical skills and then you just learn the rest and i was like i'm just kind of but how do i know i'm learning right if if yeah. I'm if I'm just let's say I only ever work in manufacturing, right? I, I'd lose that thought diversity that you're talking about, cognitive diversity. I only have manufacturing ideas. Yeah. That's it, right? And all the soft skills then are limited to that cognitive diversity or lack of cognitive diversity. Mm-hmm. So like is is going on a course of soft skills a good thing? Uh, reading books or like uh, all of the above, maybe? I I think that's right. So rather than I said it earlier so I think where we normally go with learning and development is we go straight into courses right yeah. so we, someone's not very competent presenting in front of the board challenge I'm faced with all the time okay let's stick them on a presentation training course yeah now I we believe there's two steps before that so there's what we call discover so this is okay. where curiosity comes in so first of all understand like what are the skills that you're trying to acquire so whether you use um you know, we have a competency framework that's come out of market. I'd happily share it with anyone. There's, I ought to have a framework. There's loads out there. But actually, what are the skills that I'm trying to develop? Speak to the people you're working with. What skills are the, you know, the skills that you need in order to do the job? Mm-hmm. And then what we really encourage people to do is get curious about where their, where their strengths are. God, focus on what you're good at first and foremost. Like, why did you get into this profession? What do you enjoy about it? Um, and whether you use psychometrics or not, actually, what are my strengths? And then what are the behaviours that are limiting me? So for something like presentation skills, we might, you could very simply go to, you know, your ability to stand up and present in a structured way. What usually it is, is a lack of self-confidence. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right? So rather than, you know, you can then put an, a person with low self-confidence on a presentation training course, and it doesn't actually like make them any better presenting because you've not 
dealt with the root cause. So we yeah. talk about, you know, curiosity and discovery is around getting, becoming really curious about your behaviors and how they impact in your role. So identify what you want to work on. Mm. Get feedback from people around you. Ask other people. Are there blind spots that you don't know about? Love that, Stop. yeah. Um, self-assessment is a really dangerous place and I've seen it. So self-assessment as in, you know, I need to score one to 10 on strategy. I reckon I'm a nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, um, I'm, an, I'm a nine at all of them. All of them. <laughs> how many people? So we do, when we do um, skills assessment centres, um, we get people to self-rank at the beginning. I mean, you, you've got you've got a couple of schools. You've got the ones that downgrade themselves yeah. like, in the hope that, that you've got the medium. I'll always go down the middle. And then you've yeah. got the ones that, you know, are very rarely is it an absolute reflection. So you have to, you have to go and find out more. Yeah. Um, the discovery first place and then explore is that what we call our coaching service but actually it's 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 get to the root cause yeah so if you aren't confident what is holding you back like yeah. what are the stories you're telling yourself if you're um if you're very good at being reactive versus proactive as many people are what causes that you know when do you do your best work how do you structure your time around that mm. we Without doing that, actually, any skill acquisition can either land on deaf ears mm. or you don't know how to actually do anything with it. Yeah. And then when it does come to learning, the acquisition of skills, so a bit like we were talking about with books, you can learn a theory or a new way of doing something. But unless you do something with that, like, it's just, it's just, it's a bit like yeah. stuff you learn at school. Yeah. Like, you know, not sure I've used Greek mythology much, but you know, <laughs> So I'm not, I'm not a learner by just, you know, constant, yeah, like yeah. stuff. I need to be able to actually do something with it. So we're really conscious when we do development work, and acquire some knowledge, discuss it, practice it, then experiment with it in your job. Yeah. And then most importantly, come back and reflect on that. What went well, what didn't. And you have to get vulnerable in between because you're going to fail. You're going to have that, oh, the difficult conversation that doesn't go right. Or you're going to give someone some feedback and it's going to land terribly. Or you're going to pull people together to, to do a collaborative exercise and actually people aren't going to speak up or it's going to feel a bit awkward. So learn. But all that time you're learning from it. Mm. And that is the most powerful thing is these things can be learned, but you've got to you've got to get self-awareness. You've got to really understand like what's underpinning and what's holding you back. And then you've got to experiment and reflect. So if you can do those things and find people around you that will support you to do that. Mm. it will challenge you to do that yeah. my team genuinely brighter than me more curious than i am but my god they challenge me to be better it's terrifying sometimes like yeah. absolutely terrifying but i love working with them because you know yeah. these learning pods are a passion project of kendall's where she's just gone out and gone cu got curious about a load of stuff and then we put it into a practical application yeah that's when i get the best out of people around me is when i allow them to do stuff they're passionate about so yeah. understand your strengths and absolutely leverage them the other thing is actually if you are responsible for people in this profession you have to give them structures in which to do all of that and the time in which to do all of that mm. and the encouragement and support i don't think our leaders they dedicate a lot of time to creating strategies that you know whether they're they're pushing a new perspective of safety yeah i think they focus a lot on what the rest of the organization need to do they don't focus much on actually how they support their team to make that change yeah oh one like, question like, so so good 
<laughs> so good, Anna. Honestly, like I've literally just I've got myself a new toy at my thirtieth birthday. Right, uh, it's like a little podcast specialist mixing desk, and you can have little sounds on it. Yeah. And and there used to be a sound on it for like applaud, but I, I've took it off. And honestly, the first time I thought about using it in in a live kind of interview was right now because I thought there's no way I can kind of have the words to to do justice to what you just said that was flawless so I thought I'm just going to press a button so I looked over and I was like shit I took it off damn it it's like the Paul Hollywood handshake in the bake-off like that's it I'm telling you now the clap is going on that is the new thing it's the rebranding safety applaud if you get that you've done well because all I've got now is crickets and 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 joke drummers I don't think that's appropriate. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's funny, isn't it? When you start out your career, I started out of recruitment. People have a lot to say about recruitment. Um, I think there's some amazing people doing some amazing work out there and what we do. But did I ever think I'd be so passionate about, like, developing health and safety professionals? Mm. No, but God, I am. <laughs> like, yeah, because, yeah. actually, do you know what? I work with some of the most inspiring um interesting people that are stuck under a stereotype that really makes me angry quite frankly oh, i know, really need this applaud button <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's you know people god if i asked someone in the street to describe a health and safety professional and then they met you 10 minutes after james they would be absolutely like what and I know because every time I mention what I do, people are like, oh God, that must be. And I'm like, there's some really good people with great yeah, ideas, yeah. but are really like morally driven. They have purpose to what they do. That's why this profession is such an amazing profession to come into. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Because you could go into finance and, you know, I'm married to an accountant and, you know, you could spend your life working out the commercial side of a business. Great. Or you could do something where actually it helps people go home safe at the end of every day. Yeah. Like, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's a star. It's so you're it's just like just oh, I've got no words, Anna. Like <laughs> you've absolutely nailed it. Like it it irks me like to my bones the way that people see me as as a safety professional and judge me before they've even met me because of my job role. That that I've had I've been to sites and people are genuinely afraid of me coming to site because they think I'm going to like just nitpick at them. It's going to be a horrible experience. And then I've, I've got there. I remember one guy, he was nearly shaking. He was just so nervous. And when I got there, he was like, Oh, you, you, you're right, James. Nice to meet you. He was really scared. And, and I was like, I was like, Oh, this guy's obviously really nervous. Like not a, has a nervous kind of disposition that that's the way. And I thought maybe that's just his personality. So I thought first thing I need to do is just chill him out. Like, I've got to calm that. I've got to get him to calm that. Otherwise, I'm not going to get anything out of him. So he was like, oh, do you, do you want to see the, do you want to do a site tour? I said, nah, I said, mate, I've been driving for two hours. You can have a cup of tea or something. Could we just have a sit down? And he's like, oh, you want, yeah, yeah, yeah I can make you a cup of tea. So I was like, well, actually a coffee. But anyway, had a coffee, sat down with him. And I was like, just tell me, I didn't talk about safety for about an hour. And, and I just, I knew that I needed to commit a lot of time just to get to know him. 
and and relax and calming down. So I'm like, oh, you're a sports fan. What do you follow? It turns out he likes football, doesn't like rugby. So that was it. I left because he's obviously an idiot. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, and, you know, we just got to know each other. And then we did the site tour. We did some normal safety stuff. And, and a lot of it for me was that first hour of just getting him to calm down. But then the follow-up of that was, you know, I wasn't nitpicking at him because the second we got back to that safety tour, that walk around the bit, whatever you want to call it, he was back to being nervous until about 10 minutes in where I'm like, I can't remember. There was like some bit of paper or something on the floor in the fire escape. And he was like, Oh my God, sorry. And I was like, mate, it's just a bit of paper. Like chill out. I'm not, I'm not that bothered. Like, I'm only really bothered about something that's really dangerous. And 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 if that is the case, me and you will work together and we'll, we'll sort this out. And he, it turned out that his experience with our profession had been very aggressive, very vi- like to borderline violent kind of interactions where people are just getting angry at him because there was a bit of paper on the floor. So some people do, I think some professionals have created this stereotype, but, but now I don't, I think those people are, in the minority now so the stereotype doesn't match our well our brand doesn't match our vision uh, that's the end that's the long and short of this and it's frustrating yeah i think two things that come up when you say stories like that is firstly it takes someone with emotional intelligence to realize that's what's happening to the guy right and actually what you need to do differently like actually how you need to take the time to build the relationship to have a different kind of conversation and the other thing is actually a lot of social professionals I work with or have worked with over the years, nowhere in their job description does it say build rapport, yeah, take yeah. time to ask questions, be mm. curious. So they would just go straight into, well, my task here today is, and the business hasn't set them up for success either because they've probably got six or seven inspections they've got to do that day. Well, that's you know, they haven't it, yeah. got time for nice to. Yeah, sorry, carry it's on. It's got to be, you know, no, it's just, it's got to be both like elements it's got to be the individual has to take personal responsibility you know really understand what that relationship needs at that point Mm. the other thing that always comes up for me when we talk about like the perception is we have a unique opportunity or professionals have a unique opportunity to change that perception in a moment the whole rebranding safety one individual at a time was born out of the fact that you going on there that guy now has a different view of what safety could be yeah and actually if if we by being so different from the stereotype, actually, that's a huge opportunity. It's a bit like being a good recruiter. There's so many bad ones out there, but actually, if you can be good, you really like you can make an impact. <laughs> like, like, yeah. um, so I think the it's almost like the art of surprise, you know. Yeah. And actually, if someone expects such bad things of safety and you don't interact in that way, you can make such an impact. Such an impact. Definitely. So yeah, I am. Um, I'm crazy passionate that we have a group of people, especially people joining the profession now that are purpose driven. I remember reading um, the job description for the apprenticeship program um, a couple of years ago. And the first line of the job description was the role of the she technician is to enforce the health and safety work act. And I just went, I don't know, I'm not a millennial. Um, I'm not like starting my career, but I know a couple of things like purpose driven (laughs) like what's what's the moral reason this role exists if you're going to actually attract this role to people and get the right people into the profession then you've got to talk about the why you've got to talk about why this exists 
you've got to talk about the opportunity to see all elements of business you've got to be able to see that you know um encourage people that they can look at psychology sociology organizational development they can look at risk and engineering mm. you can have this opportunity to view so many different elements of the organization and actually you can fast track a career i know plenty of people that are in directors roles in their early 30s which if they were in other functions would just not be possible no. so i think you know it's um ah uh, if i was having my time again i probably would go into it yeah oh that's good Definitely. to hear that's good to yeah. hear I, I think it's such a good yeah, I, I asking, a couple of my clients that i keep asking for a job <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, there is, I I think, um, I think there's a lot to be said for this profession. I, but yeah. it's, it just needs to keep going with the way it's going at the moment. Yeah, definitely. So I, think, I do think it's happening. Mm. It, it's got a long way um, to go. But, <laughs> it's got such a long way to go, but we're, we're definitely closer than what we were, at, at least in my career. You know, I've seen a massive change and, and, and I do genuinely think we, those of us that maybe do approach safety a, di a little differently in this kind of more non-technical, whatever you want to call it, new view or whatever, you know, safety is originally intended, whatever you want to call it. I think whoever does approach safety in that way, I think all of us have like a little bit of an unspoken duty on ourselves to have those conversations with as many people as possible, because we need to burst this echo chamber that we're in. Um, we, we need to, the more people that hear it, the, the, the better. Um, you're talking to your mum, your mates, your brothers, your sisters, like everyone. And, and, you know, I know people when they're down the pub that are almost embarrassed to say that they work in health and safety, yep. but be proud of it. Tell people why it's awesome. You know, I don't think, I think, you know, the profession that own that brand, if you feel proud of it, then of what you do and the impact you have and like mm. how you operate, then yeah, shout about that. Modesty is a real problem for this profession like actually being able to talk about what they achieve because you know it's only really when things go wrong we do our best work yeah and i think i think as well like i um for a long time would be like we need to re like when, when i when i for the title of this podcast like for so long i was like i don't want to have safety in the title like i don't want that word because it it it, it kind of comes with a perception and then anyway we came around to rebranding safety i'm so glad that we that we did that so glad that we kept the word safety in there because whilst if you just spoke to me maybe two two at least yeah probably two to three years ago i'd have said to you we need to come up with a whole new name we, we need to remove health and safety we need to have a new name whereas now actually i'd look at it completely different and say we need to own this name and we need yeah. to change the brand that, that, that is associated with this name and own Absolutely. it and that's the thing is actually if it if we really focus on why this profession exists and we get proud of it and we actually do great work and then we promote that great work actually we can be proud of working in health and safety rather than calling it something else yeah. you know like mystifying it for people we don't yeah. need to do that yeah definitely um, yeah it's um there's still a lot to be done but i'm excited about where it's going i'm much more someone said to me when i started this business there was a lot of people that didn't like what i was doing um didn't like it because maybe it's because I was just a recruiter. Um, maybe I, you know, I didn't have the authority to state, you know, what the profession should be doing. I'm not a professional, 
but there was a line that came to um that someone said to me at one point after quite a difficult conversation with someone else where I was feeling like oh, should I just get, I'll just go back to doing recruitment it's easier mm. which was if you're pleasing everyone you're not making progress um and I live and die by that now that actually this is space you know the conversations you and I are having I want them to feel challenging to people I want people to listen to this and go oh I don't agree or actually mm, mate that doesn't fit that's okay like if it feels uncomfortable it's like outside your comfort zone that's where you grow like mm. if it feels uncomfortable that's exactly where we should be yeah. if we feel comfortable in all of this then we're stagnant yeah. so we need to keep having the difficult conversation keep challenging ourselves and each other we need to be bold we need to be brave um we need to not accept maybe the things that we have accepted as a profession previously and what I love about you know the likes of you and the, the rest of the future leaders that I meet is actually you will challenge you will speak your mind mm. um you will look for different ways of doing it you won't you won't stand by and and not be authentic around these things and I think that's what we need we need that passion we need that courage we need that boldness and that will help this profession to actually achieve what it was you know, designed to achieve in the first place. Yeah. I think, I, I think it's worth just kind of saying from, from anyway, my own, my own experience at least is like, this is easier said than done. I think, I think you're right. Like I have a very, um, I'm a very, I'm very like strict on my way of looking at safety. Yeah. Like and to, well, I would not say strict. I would say strict. My wife would say stubborn. Stubborn <laughs> is probably a much better way of describing <laughs> it, if I'm honest. To the point that, I have only just done my uh, my diploma, my safety diploma. I did the NCIQ one. And there's only one reason I didn't do that was because it was to stick it to all the, not all just the recruiters. I don't want to tar them all the same brush, but it was to stick it to recruiters. And, yeah. <laughs> it, but it was to stick it to recruiters and clients that, that would only look at me uh, and count my certificates and I was just like no 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 one that certificate is the least important thing on that CV and yep. two it, it it's like I am so much more than that so yep. it's it, as far as I'm concerned it's belittling for you to just judge me by that piece of paper so I stuck at tech IOSH for a very long time I stuck at um, my NEBOSH general and just experience for a very long time and to, to put this into context um before I got the job I'm at now, looking for a job and granted being stuck in a very poor culture, very stressful job, um, I was pretty much to the point of depression in which I couldn't find anything. I was turned down for interviews, jobs that were way below where I should be. I do think that, and, and the reason I say this, Anna, is because um, I don't like, I'm trying to bring a bit of, a bit of reality to it. And that, yes, we all need to do this 100%. But there's a lot of employers out there that are really far behind this. I don't know if you would would agree. Yeah. And it's really hard. Um, the other thing is, I actually, I don't think it's an and or, um, I don't think it's an all. Like you do one or the other. I think you have to be focused both. on doing development of both. Yeah. Um, things like NCRQ have given people a different development route from, from some of the more traditional um, or the more well-established. I think we spend a lot of time educating clients a lot of time um when someone comes to us for a senior level appointment they might believe they need a chartered member or a certain level of qualification but actually more so what they're focusing on is the leadership 
you know they want someone that can develop a strategy drive change can can present them externally understands the commercial element of the business can innovate all of those things that we focus on and that's you know what a lot of our work comes from but I recognize it's slow um I also think there is a real challenge for recruitment companies have to be bolder mm. um and it's it's hard recruitment in safety is is I, I watch two parts of our business. So recruitment and sustainability, which where it's a highly valued service where we are really partnered with most of our work is retained. Um, you know, we, we work with clients to ensure they find the right person for that role. And then safety where it's highly commoditized, you know, 15%, um, tw- seven agencies, you get your first CVs through the door. And if some, there'll be someone sat in the business with their highlighter and if it hasn't got an e-bush on it you're not getting your cvs through we yeah. operate on no win no fee yeah. and the whole model of recruitment and safety doesn't get the right outcome yeah i'm i'm really glad that actually a lot of the work we're now starting to do in safety is moving higher up that value chain where actually we're partnering people maybe clients that have used this in frameworks where we can challenge more and say do you know what here's james James has done all of this stuff. He's achieved all of this. This is his approach. These are his, this is his site profile. You know, here's his behavior set. If it's important to you that he has a diploma, then maybe you need to pay for that or give him the time to do that or explain to him why that's important. But yeah. getting a different kind of talent in the door. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that is, that's still a huge blocker to this profession is the way we attract and you know, hire, hire talent. It's got to change. It's got to change because actually people like you have the right skills and maybe at some point couldn't get through that process because it was just a, you know, a highlighted, they must have this qualification. Yeah. Look um, at that. Just in time, Anna. In the, we, we come up to about lunchtime. My camera's just died. So you can okay. now, you've now <laughs> got the true insight that whilst I look, <laughs> like I was in this really slick office, you start to see the pile of crap in the corner that's been pushed out of shot. And I I was watching the battery go and I was like, come on, keep going, keep going. Just give me a few more minutes, give me a few more minutes. Shut up, shut up, Hannah. At the same same time, I'm like, I've still got so much I want to talk about. Um, So I was really conflicted. but, but yeah, enough. And when it went, I was like, oh my God, she's going to think that her internet's gone again. And I was like, no, it's not your internet. It's my camera. Oh, Jesus Christ. No. So yeah, I think there's still loads of work to be done. I don't think I'm going to be retiring anytime soon. Um, yeah. It's unfortunate. Um, but no, I think um, the baby steps. Yeah. Do you not make progress. Do, do you think probably one last question for me? Like, there's something my wife says to me all the time, which is kind of funny, but it's kind of true. It's also quite depressing. <laughs> but she says to me quite a lot that you know you've got to because sometimes I get really frustrated with the amount of work that not just I do, but so many other people like yourself, like other podcasters, like you know, other academics, you know, people that are trying to bridge the gap between academia and, and reality and, and, and open that one. So many people out there trying to, like we say, have a different view on safety. And I'm like, there's so much work being out there and I see it, but I get sometimes get really frustrated when say certain big companies, big bodies, or even like my interactions with people, customers or whatever, they're so rigid in this old way of looking at safety I get so frustrated 
in it that my wife says this to me to kind of calm me down that James, you need to realize that what you're doing probably isn't going to really see the tangible change that you've made until you're retiring or you're retired and, and, and you're kind of dead probably. So, you know, but in a way, as much as that sounds really depressing, I think I look at it like, okay, now I've got a baby. I'm looking at it like that's cool, man. Because as long as she goes to school, goes to work and it's, and they're looking at it differently and she's different uh, and she's looking at things that I wish I, I wish I had the perception on the world and people now that what, you know, the, I wish I had that when I was younger. So I think that's not, that's not a bad thing, but I don't know about you. What do you think we are literally that far away. I mean, retirement for me, I'm 30. So we're talking probably 500 years old before I can actually retire. Yeah, I am. Um, one of our competencies, and we used to call it industry ambassador, but now we call it legacy and impact. And to me, the word legacy is actually really important. And, and more so, like, hey, having had children, like, what's the world I want to create for them? Um, I... I actually think if we look at the demographic of this profession, um, it's almost people that are coming to it now that are driving that change. By the time they're in positions of influence, like real influence, actually, you know, when they're leading functions, when they're leading institutions, then actually the tide will really turn. I think there's a, I think it's Simon Sinek that talks about it around sort of the, the different stages of sort of customers that you get and you get you know the the early adopters and then the yeah. and actually what we need to do is get that critical mass and that's all i focus on that was why it was rebranding safety one individual at a time if you get enough critical mass yeah because for some people storytelling bright spots showing them a different way they need to be told so many times they need to see there's no alternative to change yeah and actually yeah. that's what we've just got to focus on just baby steps you know individuals and every time we have a different conversation, the ripple effect of that. I was talking to someone the other day about our numbers, COVID, great. Yeah. But actually, as a safety profession, what's your R number? How many people do you interact with that have a positive experience that then go on to talk about safety in a different way? I love and that. Maybe I need to write something on this. But actually, for me, it was really interesting to see that we need, that's how we need to see about our impact is actually what is our R number? What is our are you know how are we engaging with people differently how many you know conversations are we having every interaction we have where we tell people proudly we're in this profession or you know supporting this profession as I do every interaction we have an opportunity mm. so actually I think we just it is frustrating it's infuriating um it's uncomfortable but that's exactly that's exactly where we should be right now we yeah. just need to keep on focusing and, you know, I feel more so now than I did five years ago in this supported network of people that I don't feel like the crazy person at the party. Um, every time I spoke to a client when I first set frameworks up, they felt like they were on their own. You know, they had a, they had a different view of how safety should be done. They didn't feel like there was anyone out there. And actually creating community, that drives momentum. That's that's what we, you know, that's what you're doing. That's what I hope we're doing at Acre. I think there's there's a lot of good people with really strongly connected whys, the purpose. And if we all just continue doing what we're doing, if we focus on that R number, we're going to do something on that. Um, <laughs> but, actually, like, but it is true. It's, it's 
you know, that personal responsibility is be the change you want to see. If you want to change the world around you, you've got to start with yourself. Yeah, um, So yeah, I can yeah. see it now. Little hardback book. What's your R number? Anna Keen. <laughs> I can see oh, it. God. Yeah, it'll be a very short book. I think if <laughs> I write a book, if I write a book, it'll be a children's book because <laughs> I don't think I've got that. <laughs> you can write a fable like that. Um... I much prefer this. Like I yeah. much prefer talking to things. I started yeah. writing blogs recently, and I can only really write them about my experience. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've been trying to write a book for like, the, well, this all started because I love writing, but it actually comes really hard to me. Like, I don't know, it's, I really like the idea, like, like I was saying, and how I kind of organize my life, everything is written down because I enjoy the process of it. But, but like, not maybe not creative writing, but, you know, writing a book, writing a blog post, really hard for me because grammar and spelling, I'm not great yeah. at it. No, so, neither am I. Yeah, it's really hard. And and then and that was how rebranding the safety started. For months and months and months, I wanted to do a blog, but it was just because that was what everybody did. And then yeah. I was like, hang on a minute, why don't I, I love talking and I can talk for England. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same. Um, I, just, I could talk to anyone all day long. Which Maybe, is, Maybe they'll just stop writing them and you can just talk to them. <laughs> that, that would be a winner for me, 100%, because I could do that all day long. There'd be no structure to the book. I don't know, just a run. Oh, maybe that's a podcast, isn't it? All wait, right. Yeah, wait, <laughs> hang on a minute. That is, that is a podcast. Oh, crap. Uh, and I'm giving it away for free? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need to change this. No. Um, right, Anna, I'm going um, to let... I'm going to let you go. So if, um, which I'm assuming everybody listening to this has been as impressed as I have in the way you talk about safety and the, what you're doing at Acre Frameworks and, and the recruitment side as well. So if they are, how do they get hold of yourself or Acre Frameworks and, and um, what does that look like? So no, I'm on LinkedIn, um, Anna Keen, Acre Frameworks. We have a website, um, which is, if you just, acre.com forward slash acre frameworks just drop me a note on linkedin and i will share any we've got some a white paper of the research we did a couple of years ago if you're interested in understanding more about like our discover explore experiment how that means we work with clients all over the world um you know big clients like amazon and, and pepsico and people like that so and we work with really small organizations we work with individuals so I'm just passionate about talking about what we do, how we do it, but most importantly, why we do it. Um, so yeah, they can get in contact. I think I'm still on Twitter under Keen on Safety. Keen on Safety. I see what yeah. you did there. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, this surname's got to do me some favours at some point, right? <laughs> 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 um, but no, definitely um, by you. Anyway, I'm, I'm I'm around, but yeah. mainly yeah, just get them to drop me an email. And word of warning: once you get hold of Anna, you can't get rid of her. So, which is a yeah, great I'm thing. Like that. I'm, I'm pretty sticky. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a high R number. She's got a very but high. I, R yeah, number. and I also get people involved in stuff a lot. So, yeah. you know, that's that's part of my job, right? It's bring people together and to find people with similar challenges like you. Um, yeah, I'm gonna write that, something on them. Yeah, definitely. That 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 needs to be out there. I really love that because if you don't write something about it, I'm definitely going to talk about it for the next few months. So, you know, quote me every time. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. God, every time we we yeah. talk about the R number, 
anarchy. And then yeah. like, if you think about your anarchy. Well. <laughs> 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 okay, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, thank Keep you very much. It's awesome. Love it. Okay, peeps, hope you enjoyed that conversation. Anna's a lovely lady. Um, I recommend that you go to any of her kind of keynotes, webinars, whatever she's doing. Um, keep an eye on Acre Frameworks as well. It's an amazing company. They do some amazing work. Um, but ultimately, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check out Paranoid Human Performance. And don't forget to check out Project Miletium as well. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, like, follow, whatever it is, share, rate and review. Just do something nice. Help us get out there. Help us spread the word. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening. I'll catch you next week. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson.